I want to show you just a few pictures this morning to look at. Pictures of the creation that we have been given by our Heavenly Father and by our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's take a look. Just a beautiful wildflower created with intricacy and color. Let's look at the next one. Obviously, the beauty of a cub and a lioness out in the wilderness. Let's look at the next one. This is a picture of the Grand Tetons, just a beautiful pastoral setting. What incredible majesty that is. Let's look at the next one. The Grand Canyon, of course. What a magnificent creation of our God in this, the Pacific Ocean. What a tranquil spot that is to look at. And then finally, this is a picture of our Earth from the Hubble Telescope. Uh, It still always amazes me because before my lifetime, no one had ever been into outer space to see actually what our Earth really looked like from up above. Incredible pictures, incredible beauty, incredible intricacy. It's no wonder that on the sixth day our God said it was very good. And I think it's hard for us as human beings on this incredible planet, this home that God made for us to dwell in, to ever imagine that it will someday be gone, that it won't be as it is now. You know, for the last few weeks we have been looking at various things in the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ given to John. A book that was written in a time of incredible tribulation and turmoil and heartache for the people of God under intense persecution and murder, being martyred daily all over the Roman Empire throughout the ages by various emperors and people wondering what will the future hold. They needed hope. They needed comfort. They needed assurance. They needed strength. All the same things that we need today. And John was given this revelation. This revelation that truly is a book that is intended to give us comfort and hope. You know, we've looked at various things and John throughout the various chapters has gone through a number of things. He has seen by this revelation the binding of the dragon, as it's called. When Jesus conquered on the cross and won the victory over death and the devil. John has seen in this book already the millennium that began at Christ's ascension, the end times that we live in. That he had seen the judgment of the beast and the harlot, the marriage feast of the lamb take place, the loosing of the dragon at the last battle of Armageddon, the second coming of Jesus Christ. He had seen the resurrection of the dead, And the final judgment, John now in chapter 21, is ready to see beyond the events of this first world into the next. And he writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. You know, I have to tell you a little aside, as 
I read that verse, the first heaven and the first earth, it made me smile because there's kind of a little joke that Sarah and I play when we're at a party where, you know, you don't know anybody and you want to kind of break the ice as you're being introduced. She always introduces me as, this is my first husband, Steve. It always takes somebody, you know, aback. What, your first husband? Because God only knows if there'll be another one until death parts us. But it makes me think of that, the first heaven and the first earth of something that we can't imagine won't always be there. And you know that word that John uses, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. What exactly new means our theologians are divided on. Divided to the point where they say, you know, it is not that important that we are truly decisive on what new means. Don't let it split us. Don't let it be. It's not a fundamental doctrine on what that is. It's whether what we have in existence will be totally annihilated and recreated as it was in the beginning, called ex nihilo, from nothing, as God did in the first creation. Or will it be a regeneration, a change of all that's wiped out and then a restoration of that? And for myself, as I look at it, I would land on the second one from the standpoint of that's what really happens with us. We, as human beings, are not annihilated and wiped out. Our spirits and our souls go to be with the Lord and we wait for the resurrection of the dead to come. When our bodies, as Paul said, will be redeemed, will be regenerated, will be restored to be bodies that are perfect forever. Whichever it is, the earth on which we live today, the universe that was created for us in the beginning, in heaven with the Lord, is no longer a fit place for us to live. And you might ask, well, why is that? And I read to you from Paul's letter to the Romans. He writes this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. You see, we know that the curse that Adam brought into this world by sin, by disobeying God's law, does not only affect us as human beings, but affects all of God's creation, subjected to it because of human beings who brought this curse upon them. We know if you've been doing fall or spring cleanup or fall cleanup of all the decay and all the dead things that are out there, that this is part of what we live with, with the seasons change, of life coming in the spring and of things dying in the winter and death and decay. We know as we watch nature unleashed as it was never supposed to be with floods and tornadoes and earthquakes and hurricanes and things and disasters all over, any horrible thing that you can think of is because of the curse 
And yes, I am here to substantiate Pastor Mark's claim last week that laundry is part of the fall. Because, as you remember, we were created and we were naked and we were not ashamed and we wore clothes after the fall, so there wouldn't have been laundry if it wasn't for the fall. God's created word brings all this about as we look at the change that will take place. As he spoke in the beginning, let there be light, so we see him at the throne speak again. John writes, and the one who was seated on the throne said, see, I am making all things new. You know what it doesn't mean for us as we look forward to a new heaven and a new earth is that we don't celebrate today what God has given us. Of course we celebrate, as we just saw, the incredible gift that we have been given. We know that we are told to be good stewards of the planet, our home that God created for us, to take care of it while we live here until the time comes when it will be changed, when it will be made new. There is beauty and there are wonderful things and God gave it to us to live in. But we know also too that the curse that brought what it brought on our earth brought also death into our worlds. And death is not just part of us but it subjects the world. If any of you who have ever lost a pet or something dear to you or watched something die in nature that just brought sorrow to you. We know that's part of the curse. But this book is meant to bring us comfort. To fix our eyes not on the things that we live in and not on the sorrow that surrounds us, but to fix our eyes on what we will have and to look forward to. Not just the past, but the future. And so John writes even further, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among men. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. You see, we don't only look at what is gone from what we live with now. We look at the things that we will see in the future. Things that are gone are not just the fact that nature will no longer be subjected and subjected to death and corruption and destruction. But also gone, we need to remember, as those people needed to remember that too, that Satan will be gone. That demons will be gone. That powers and principalities and thrones and dominions and all those things that, as Paul says, try to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord, will be gone. And the thing that causes our tears on this earth, as they are wiped away, will be gone. That death, death which brings for us mourning and pain and tears, will be forever wiped away. But what also then will we see in that heavenly Jerusalem, as it were, as that new heaven and that new earth, then we will see, as Paul says, face to face. 
we will see for once the millions of angels surrounding the throne to give glory that we do not see now. We will see the church universal. All of the saints who worship around this globe all the time, all the past, all the present, all the future, where we only join them now in our prayers, we will join them together to worship the Lamb who was slain. No longer will they be scattered all over the earth, but gathered together in that place where a great multitude which no one could number would be found. The bodies that are buried all over this earth for thousands of years are in the sea will no longer be in those places, but gathered to give glory to Jesus our Savior. What an incredible picture that is of what we will have in that new heaven and that new earth. But there will also be something else. There will be incredible access. Access, as John writes to the thirsty, God says, I myself will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Those who conquer will inherit these things, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. You see, now we have access, as we talk about often, through the blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior, which covers us. Access into the throne room, access to our Father, which is in heaven, to come before Him as His dearly loved children. But here in this place, we will no longer need the protection, the covering, the blood which gives us that access. We will have direct access. God will be in our midst. He will dwell with us. He will be our God. We will be His children. What an incredible picture that is. And as it's John writes, those who conquer will inherit. We will inherit the blessing of God living with us forever. You know, we talk about inheritance now. That's one of the words that Paul uses as he writes the words of institution. When Paul, instead of using the word covenant, uses the word the, new, the blood of the New Testament. It really is exactly that, a last will and testament left to us by Jesus Christ. But we know on this earth now in that testament, that inheritance that we receive is only a brief moment where we celebrate at the Lord's Supper with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven and we join it only for a moment again and again and again on this earth. But in this place, in the new heaven and the new earth, we will have the full inheritance given to us to be in that presence forever. To hear the words that we hear at the end of the prodigal son story. My son, my daughter, all that I have is yours and I give it to you freely. What an incredible hope and comfort this book is to us. Because we go through trials and tribulations. In our world, we watch the same things now that were witnessed then. Whether it was the name of Nero, Domitian, or Diocletian, whether it is the name of ISIS or the Taliban, we know that our fellow Christians are being martyred still today. We don't know what the future holds or if and when the time will come for us to stand 
and give glory to God and maybe give up our lives. But we know that our hope, as Paul says, is not only for this life alone. It is also for the life that is to come that has been given to us by our glorious Lord and Savior. Those who conquer, John writes, will inherit. Just as Paul said, through Jesus Christ, we are truly more than conquerors. We are those who have been chosen by the blood of Jesus Christ, by his sacrifice on the cross, by his glorious resurrection, which gives us the hope and the victory and the comfort that we will be with him forever. May we stand firm in our faith and run this course and this race to behold forever our Lord and Savior with all who have gone before us and with us to say, Amen, may it ever be so. Even so, Lord Jesus, quickly come. Amen.